Good morning once again to all of you. It's great to be with you today. Our second reading for the morning comes to us from the book of Acts, the New Testament history of the early church, chapter 2, verses 37 to 42. This uh, story continues from the day of Pentecost, after all that they had seen and heard about the power of the Holy Spirit, God's power on display. Listen for God's word to you today. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, so that your sins may be forgiven and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you, for your children, and for all who are far away, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to him. And he testified with many other arguments and exhorted them, saying, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. So those who welcomed his message were baptized, and that day about 3,000 persons were added. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, I want to say hi once again to all of you on this Sunday morning. Um, hello to those worshiping with us online on Facebook Live and YouTube. We're glad you're here. For those listening to this as a sermon podcast later in the week, and of course, hi to all of you here in person. It's really good to see you. It's a warm day, but we're going to make it through, okay? We'll get to the other side. Um, we, read in this, we read in this passage today from Acts about the early church and about what the, li- the lives were like of those early followers of Jesus. And I love this description of Acts chapter 2, that community. It says they, were, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, breaking of bread and prayers. And so my question for you this week, the question I've been kind of asking around different folks is this, what are you devoted to? What are you devoted to? What is something you are committed to that's really important to you, something you focus on, maybe the people or the things or the parts of your life that you are devoted to? I asked that question this week to my Wednesday afternoon Bible study class, and I got a great set of answers. Thank you for writing my sermon for me. Um, As you would expect, a lot of them mentioned their families, right, being devoted to their children or their grandchildren or their spouse. One person was there, and she's the caretaker for her husband who has had long-term health problems, and her consistent care for him in this late stage of his life is what her devotion looks like. Someone said they were devoted to their garden. It brought them a lot of joy. Someone else said they were devoted to their cats. I can't imagine why. But to each his own or her own. Fair. Um, Someone someone had just gotten a new Bible. And they said, I'm devoted to this Bible. It was a Bible that had large print so they could read the words. and had tabs on the side, you know, so you could find the chapters and find what you were doing. And um, he said, this, I'm, I'm devoted to this God's Word and this Bible. And I happen to know that that Bible was a gift from their parent, their, their, their family, right? Their family gave that gift to say, I want to support you in this new season of your spiritual life as you seek to know God's Word. They're devoted to him. What's that look like? Giving him a Bible so he can read it himself. What are you devoted to? When it was my turn, I shared something really personal with the group. I let them kind of know where my heart is these days. What I'm devoted to is the Golden State Warriors. The NBA Finals are serious. We're in it right now. So um, I'm I'm pretty excited about that. Um, Last Sunday, we were coming out of church here in the coffee hour, and I was talking to a couple of folks, uh, a couple of guys, and we had all just seen the new uh, Top Gun movie, Maverick. And if you've seen that, raise a hand if you've seen that movie. All right. 
The rest of you, go and see it. Um, so we were, when we were talking about this movie, it's a, it's a fun film, along with all the jet fighter scenes and the homages back to the 1980s original. Um, we were all kind of mostly amazed with Tom Cruise. Like, he's in great shape. I read this week that he's turning 60 next month, but he looks like 15 years younger, at least. I don't know how he does it. Um, but here's the thing, with, with somebody like him, a movie star like him, he's devoted himself to how he looks. So he could be a movie star, right? He's devoted himself to his, to his body and his health and his, um, his whole, his whole um, look. That's what it takes for him to do what he does, movie star. So my, this is my question for us today, just as we think together a little bit. What are you devoted to? What would you devote your time to, your energy, your resources, your attention? What, what are you devoted to and what does that mean or how would you answer that question? Is it one thing? Is it a top three? Is there a bunch of stuff? What are you devoted to? So in the book of Acts, in this passage we read today from chapter 2, uh, we read about the early church community as they continued to gather after the Pentecost event. And um, the, the book of Acts uses this word to describe them being devoted. And the, the same word is used throughout the book of Acts. It's used in Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 6, actually twice in chapter 2, Acts chapter 8, Acts chapter 10. The early church was devoted to their life with God and each other. They were devoted. So in one sense, it, this means that you just prioritize your life with God and with others. There's, a, there's a, um, an author, his name is um, Oliver Berkman, and he's the author of a book. It's called 4,000 Weeks, Time and How to Use It. And here's his idea, that in our lifetime, in our lifetime, we have about 4,000 weeks to live, give or take. Don't do the math. But it's about 4,000 weeks to live. And he said, what, how are you going to use your 4,000 weeks, your time? And this is what he says. He says, what you pay attention to will define, will define for you what reality is. What you pay attention to will define for you what reality is. So what are you devoted to is another way of saying what are you paying attention to? What are you giving your time to, your energy to? What you say you care about shows up in what you do about it, how you are devoted. So all of us here have some things, different things that we're devoted to, right? Um, our families, our friends, maybe our career, our bodies, our health, our relationships, our studies, our hashtag life goals, our sports teams, our kids' sports teams, our hobbies, our habits, all the things that we want to prioritize or that we think are important for us. And as Christians, as followers of Christ, we also are devoted to a life with God. We seek to be people who live a life like that. Isn't that right? Church, say, that's right. Thank you. That's right. So what does that mean? What does that look like? Um, Acts chapter 2, verse 42, gives us this helpful pattern for us to think about our own lives, kind of map it with our own life. Here's what it says. They devoted themselves to apostles' teaching and fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayers. Oh, no, a four-point sermon. You guys are in for it. Okay. So they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. That's the first one, right? This is the first one. The apostles were their spiritual leaders. They were the ones who helped them to understand the good news of the gospel and the message of the scriptures. So it's really important in our life of faith if we want to be devoted to God. And I know, I know you all want to be devoted to God. I do too. So one of the ways that that happens is to let the good news of the gospel and the message of the scriptures be open to us. Not just once, but again and again. We need that in our lives. Week by week, that's what we seek to do in our preaching and teaching ministry here in the church. I once heard um, preaching described this way. It has three parts. 
education, inspiration, and entertainment. Got to have all three. Um, here on a Sunday sermon, if, if there's going to be a message that's going to speak to you, going to equip you, going to challenge you, going to lift you, it's probably going to have all three of those parts. So a, a sermon on a Sunday, just talking about the apostles' teaching, it has education. It teaches us something, tells us something. It opens our eyes or our minds. It lifts our souls above the muck of everyday life. That's inspiration. We need to be inspired. And then it catches our attention or it keeps our attention. That's, ed- that's entertainment. You know, you've got to have something in there to keep, coming, keep us coming back. So I don't want you, I don't want us to go a week without having God's word come into our ears. We seek to be filled and formed by the word of God and, that, and the good news of the gospel and the message of the scriptures. So in our passage today, it says this. Um, this promise is for you, for your children, for all who are far away, for everyone who the Lord God calls to him. So God's love, God's, um, God's way has this expansive nature. It starts out, it's for you, it's for the next generation, your kids, it's for those who are far away, those who feel far from God, who don't feel welcome, who don't know if this is their God and their place, and it is, and to all that God calls, all that God calls, God's work is expansive in our lives. So we need that kind of good word from the Lord for our lives, and we hear it week by week. We're formed by it. So the second way that the early church devoted themselves or showed their devotion in their life was fellowship, right? The Greek word is koinonia, and we all need fellowship. It's important for our spiritual lives because we are spiritual people, but we're also social people. We're social animals. Some of you are even party animals. And so I don't know what it's like to be a, a, a monk or a cloistered nun, somebody like that, but it sounds really hard because a life of discipleship, a life with Christ is already hard enough as it is. It's hard to be a disciple of Jesus. And so that's why God gives us a gift of the church. That's why God gives us the gift of a community of believers to belong to. The church is God's own idea for how we're meant to grow in our spiritual life. We didn't think it up. It's God's own idea for how we should orient our spiritual lives. One pastor, his name is Rich Viotas, he put it this way. He said, if Jesus spent eight hours a day, every day, for three years with his disciples, he would have spent over 8,000 hours with them. And after all of that, they still had major gaps. One week on a Sunday... Will one, week, one hour a week on a Sunday will never change people. We need a life that abides in him with the support of others. We need a life that abides in him with the support of others. One of the main ways that we abide in Christ is by abiding together. One of the ways we abide with God, and abide means like stay with or hang around with, stick with, is hanging around with, sticking with, abiding with the people of God. So here in our church, that looks kind of like table fellowship. That's one of the the things we do, where we get together around picnics and potlucks, around suppers and barbecues, around tables of eight and small groups that get together for um, lunch or dinner or maybe a housewarming party. After worship today, there's a whole lunch, in fact. It's right over in the social hall, and it's a chance to hear from some of our own members who just got back from the Holy Land. They walked where Jesus walked in Israel, Palestine, they want to tell us about it, and it's centered around a meal, around hospitality. That's a real chance for fellowship in our church. So here's the challenge when it comes to this. Here's the challenge when it comes to this idea of being devoted to fellowship. It takes so much time. 
doesn't it? Doesn't it take time to have relationships be formed and friendships and kinship by having common experiences together? This is something that takes time, which is one thing we often feel like we don't have enough of. There's a new member, a newer member of the church, somebody who um, joined with us a little while back. And right after she started coming to our church, one Sunday before worship, I saw her over in the kitchen uh, in the so- by the social hall, right, before church. And I said, oh, boy, they got you already. You know, they got you on coffee duty. They've got you in here working. And she said, well, I figured if I'm going to get to know anybody in this church, I've got to get involved. And there's always somebody in the kitchen. And, that, and that's right. You want to have fellowship? Get in the kitchen. That's where it's happening. Want to have fellowship? Come after worship to this program. That's where it's happening. Want to have fellowship? Be part of it. This Wednesday, um, this Wednesday afternoon is our first chance to have a summer barbecue this year, and you're invited. I hope you're planning to be there. It's really going to be pure fellowship. There's no sermon. There's no Bible study. There's nothing to do, do, get done, except show up, eat a hot dog, talk to some people in your church family, spend fellowship time together. That's what it looks like to be devoted in this way. You know, if you really want to double down on it, you could even come an hour early and be part of the setup crew. That's another way to experience fellowship. Because you're out there serving together, you're working on something together, and that also builds bonds and relationships over time. Third item from the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2. Teaching, the apostles' teaching, fellowship, and then breaking of bread. Breaking the bread. A religious, study, uh, religious studies professor named Scott Schaff, he says this, fellowship and eating together, breaking bread, mundane as they seem, are not activities that, just, that we just happen to do, but they are essential acts of Christian life. Essential acts. Two out of four of the things that are mentioned in this, this passage, two out of four have to do with fellowship and breaking bread, which is eating together. Half half of what they did. You know they say half of life is just showing up? Maybe half of church life is just showing up and having something to eat and talking to somebody. That's how it happens. Sometimes we break bread here together on Sunday mornings in a communion meal, right? Once a month, more or less, we gather around a communion meal, and that's a very holy and special part of our our church's life. But other times, we break bread, or we eat pizza, or a cup of coffee, or a salad, I suppose. Um, But eating and drinking together is an essential act of Christian faith. So i got to ask myself, am I regularly eating and drinking with, with siblings in the faith? And if I'm not, I'm missing out on an essential way to show devotion to God, be devoted to God. The fourth way, along with the apostles' teaching, fellowship, and breaking bread, are prayers. That's the fourth one they mentioned, prayers. We're talking about essential things today, aren't we? Prayer is one of those essential things. What devotion to God and each other looks like. When we pray, we enter into a conversation with God. We bring our lives to God. We're open. We're honest. We can be vulnerable. We can be needy. You know, we can be like clingy. God, what about this? God does not reject our prayers. God does not judge us for what we bring to God but loves it when we bring up our lives. So this is incredible news because it can be hard sometimes to find someone to listen without judgment. That's a skill. That's a gift. That's an ability. Somebody who's always available. Someone who has the power to change our hearts and our minds. As a church, we share prayers together week by week here in worship, and a lot of them are printed in our bulletin so you can take it home. That's a way to pray. 
Um, you can, in fact, if you want to be on our church prayer list, we send out alerts all, every week, all week, somebody has something going on. You can ask in the church office. They'll put you on the list, and you'll get an email. Hey, pray for so-and-so. They're having a surgery. They're having a hard time. They had a loss. These are ways that we can lift each other up in prayer. So God is there for you in prayer, and, and God is there to connect you to those who are around you. But I want to make sure you hear this word of grace today. And this is something I want to bring to you, a word of grace anytime we talk about spiritual discipline like prayer. Nobody's a professional at prayer. Nobody's an expert at prayer. Everybody probably wishes that they would pray more, they would have more time with God, a more rich life with God. Probably people wish they knew what they were doing in prayer. But our devotion, our attempts at living out our faith is just a response. It's really just a response to God at our center. It's not, it's not ahead of God, it's responding to God. So if you're hearing this today, and you're just sitting here, and you're kind of hot, and you're kind of drifting, like, is this sermon kind of going anywhere? And you're thinking, oh, donut holes. Um, <laughs> maybe you're like me, and you're saying, hey, I haven't been as deep in prayer, as regular in prayer as I wish I would, as I wish I could. That's okay. God loves you. Make sure you hear that. God loves you. So maybe this week, out of that response, the response to God's love is, I'll take a few minutes. I'll seek to do a daily practice of prayer. I want to be with God in prayer. Take a step to be with the one who knows you inside and out. In the end, we all have different things that we're devoted to, and they're all important to us in different ways. It is good for you to be devoted to your family and to your friends, to your work and to your school, to our community and the causes that you believe in. It is good to be devoted to your own physical, emotional, and mental health. It's good to have hobbies and sports teams and all the rest. But let this word from God's scriptures speak to you and call to you and draw out from you a faithful response. The early church devoted themselves to God in these ways, through the teaching of the apostles in the scripture, the fellowship, breaking the bread, and a life of prayer. God is devoted to us and is with us all the way. And our response of faith is also to lead a life that's devoted to God. So may you find your heart, your mind, and your devotion to God renewed and strengthened this week. May it be so for you. Amen.